Okay, we are back to discuss more of Final Fantasy VI. Uh, up from the uh, joining up of Strago and Realm, where we left off last time, and uh, the demise of our fearless leader, General Leo. Man, did not see that one coming, I gotta say. How's it going, Ben? Yeah, it's going. How are you? Doing okay. Yeah, we... Um, we get we had a, a weird kind of mix of um, tones again this time. This is coming back to something we saw way back in the beginning of the game, where so you, you rescue this girl from a burning house. Uh, you have kind of a heartfelt goodbye with Shadow and his dog Interceptor, right? And then it's off to um, to meet up with the the Espers who've been spotted over in the mountains. Um, and when you go, uh, for whatever reason. You make realm stay behind, you know, uh, and when you go to the mountains, you see this like figure off in the distance um, who pops in and out of the screen every so often, uh, and she's like you know Little Red Riding Hood or something, um, mm -hmm. peeking up and and then running off again. So she is there and yet not part of your team, and this made me think of. Um, uh, the the part in in Mount Colts and it's the same music too so that might be part of it where yeah. you see this figure this like shadowy figure off in the distance but it's it's a it's clearly a a joke like she's obviously realm there's no one else it could be right she's obviously gonna join your party you already knew this because she has her own theme song and all that yep. so it's just like it's a weird um yeah again a weird kind of like callback but also with this modification of of the tone there um, what did you make of this dungeon? It's it's really brief, uh, and there's I don't know, not a whole lot to it that I saw. Yeah, I got lost unfortunately in the relatively brief dungeon. I kept getting turned around. I don't know why. I, I think I was not quite awake enough when I was playing it. Um, but it is full of some pretty mean enemies. Those yeah. little mandragora things will suck your life when you hit them. Which why would you hit them then? But. Um, and Strago, like, he is helpful, especially against the Slurm. Like, he can take them all out in one shot. But there's some pretty nasty enemies that you, you can get over your head pretty quickly. And again, you know, the party is only three. It's just Locke, Terra, and Strago at this point. So you're down a member. Um, so, you know, it, it's brief, but it's a little tricky. And then, you know, there's surprising depth to the story underlying it, as we hear from Strago when we when we run into the statues. I get, yeah, exactly. He, as as we're told, he's like learned and wise in the ways of monsters, um, and he definitely does a little bit of lore dump for us here, uh, per his special move, lore, yep. right? Uh, and yeah, you come. So there's like, there's definitely some dead ends and some. Um, cul-de-sacs where you go around in circles but you come pretty quickly hopefully to a room that's got these statues in it and i think i said last time they look to me a lot like majora's mask um they have like this kind of heart shape mm -hmm. torso and these spikes that come out of there uh and um they almost look like they have eyes but i think they're supposed to be i think they're supposed to be crossed arms i'm not mm -hmm. entirely sure what i'm looking at there um, and they're on a kind of pedestal. They have a kind of head or something at the top. Um, so vague, vaguely anthropomorphic, but certainly sort of ominous uh, gold statues yeah. set in a little triangle 
with a beam of light that comes down in the middle, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, it looks it looks like it's probably something that you should probably go and check on. Um, and so although he's lived here and is part of this like hidden tribe of, of um, mage warriors, right? This is the first time he's seen them and he calls them the statues, right? Mm -hmm. The statues. <laughs> so um, he goes on to explain uh, that they are the goddesses of magic. Are they are they the goddesses or are they statues of the goddesses? I'm a little yeah, unclear. I, I think they're statues of the goddesses, like the actual goddess slash statue things are apparently in the Esper realm mm. or like in the vicinity of the Esper realm, like on that on that whole continent dungeon with the lava and the undead monsters like we talked yeah. about a, a couple of weeks ago okay um i think that's the location of the statues proper these are just meant to commemorate it like that they're sort of a representation in our world um but you know he he tells us like it is confusing insofar as like he tells us that there are these goddesses and they did in fact like turn each other to stone um <laughs> So on the one hand, you've got like the statues that just commemorate it, which are apparently the ones we're running into now. And then like the actual goddesses slash gods turned into statues for all intents and purposes, which is somewhere else. Yeah, um, so it, it's an image of the image of the goddesses, but the image of the goddesses is what's left of the goddesses. But this yeah. is just an image of that. Okay, yeah, I think, I think I'm following. That's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> and they um, they ha they have a power of their own it seems because it's it's apparently what's drawn the espers there so so even these statues in some way um, exude magic it, it's it sounds like um, mm. and we learned the origin of espers I think if you go and you read the side of the statues which is not required right but you can uh, go and inspect them. Uh, they tell you, you know, basically this is this is the history of of the goddesses and of the war, and of espers themselves. The the mm -hmm. unlucky humans who got in the way were transformed into espers and used as living war machines. Um, that's pretty intense. So, not only is Terra sort of being mistreated, but she is, um, and what the empire is doing now is is reenacting. Um, exactly what happened in this original sort of war um, uh, back at the beginning of magic. So mm -hmm. that, that was kind of interesting. Um, only, whereas the empire only pretends to see the error of their ways, it sounds like the goddesses actually did um, and, and yeah. neutralized their own, their own destructive powers. Um, but I think it's also interesting, like the way that it's described the goddesses apparently keep each other in check. Yeah. Um, like as we hear, we, we like get bits and pieces of it over this section first with the statues and then later, you know, when, when we encounter Kefka again um, and talking to the espers themselves, there's this sort of sense that, that the esper or the, the goddesses, like on the one hand, they realize that they've made a mistake, but on the other hand, it's kind of like they, they both willingly and competitively keep each other in check. Like there's, you, you get the sense that they were fighting with each other when, you know, the S the humans got in the way and got turned into espers. So innocent bystanders all the way through. 
and then they became tools of the war. But at the end of this, it just became a literal stalemate, like a deadlock. The goddesses basically just frozen in time, freezing themselves slash each other in time in order to stop the pointless fighting. Yeah, so they... um... Yeah, like the stalemate, except it's a three-way stalemate, right? It's like a rock, paper, scissors meets the end of a chess game or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's excellent how um, how they, well, uh, I guess that you could think of it like, like the elements that we see in the game, right, are fire, ice, and bolt. Um, mm-hmm. So I think of it that way. You could think of it too, like the, uh, it reminded me also of the, the goddesses in, in the Zelda games. Right, you, you have this kind of uh, tripartite thing going on, um, where it does it forms a nice kind of balanced shape, um, not just good and evil or something like that uh, dichotomy, but instead this this tripartite, um, which you know has a nice kind of geometry to it. It feels more stable mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. Um, and I think it, it maps too onto the relationship between the major factions in the game, like the Empire, the Returners, and the Espers fall into the same categories. Oh, nice, yeah. Um, so, you know, each of them has their own agenda. They find themselves fighting each other in weird situations. Like, as much as the Espers seem to be aligned with the Returners, the Returners seem to be suffering from the, you know, collateral damage when the espers invade anyway um and as much as you know they're fighting over the espers because that's the magicite that's the power um you know you you see the empire wielding the espers on the one hand but also being attacked by them on the other um they're not just a tool yeah that's a good point they they also um are speaking again when we meet them well so we got to first address there, there's a wrench thrown into this, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> there is another power in the world that we cannot uh, forget to uh, to account for, and that's mm-hmm. Ultros. The, yep. the prince among octopi uh, drops down. <laughs> he wants to. He's now in a competition with his great nemesis, apparently the um, the thief from the train, Siegfried. Yes. Uh, they're they're having a, a miniature war of the magi here, and. Um, he, he's going to steal these statues because that will uh, make Siegfried, you know, respect him. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so he attacks. It's a, a weird kind of battle in which he like creeps closer to you, right? Mm-hmm. Gradually. And uh, can I guess do some damage if he gets too close, but uh, shortly the, um, the game will introduce realm uh, and she will deal the, the coup de gras. Um, but there's a weird, there's a weird, like, uh, suicide joke embedded in this too. Yeah. Did you catch that? There's, Uh, it's, the dynamic between Ultros and Realm is really weird and interesting here. Like, we've seen Realm have this weird relationship with a lot of the characters in the game thus far. Like, we, we noticed, you know, her relationship with Interceptor and how that kind of both endears her to shadow and kind of rankles shadow (laughs) yeah like you know he summons interceptor and he won't come and shadow's like kind of grumpy about this um but also sort of respects her for the fact that you know interceptor doesn't tame easily um and she has this strange relationship with ultros as well like as soon as as soon as she drops into the battle 
she she's pleading in that little girl way to draw Ultros's portrait and Ultros is like no we're in the middle of a fight here like no you can't draw my portrait and and everybody all the other characters like Locke and Strader are, are like come on dude what, what, what's wrong with you like yeah. we're the fight isn't that important and you get that great bit where he's just like ellipsis 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 all right fine <laughs> um but at the one, like, at the same time that it's sort of a suicide reference, I think it's even, it's even a little weirder than that. Like, the idea that, you know, Ultros gets upset by himself taking himself down, I guess. Like, that's why he leaves. You don't actually defeat him. You just hit him with his own tentacle once, and he's like, well, this is dumb, and he leaves. Yeah. yeah. Um but I kind of like more than even a suicide reference. I think it was more of like a facing oneself reference, mm. um, like a sort of being faced with one's own absurdity in this case. Cause you know, the whole joke with Ultros is that he takes himself so seriously and is yet just a nuisance. Like he's more comic foil than actual threat. Mm. So the idea that, you know, realm draws this portrait of him, and you kind of have to imagine that it's like a caricature in some way, but it's, you know, exactly perfect to what Ultros is. And somehow, you know, the portrait attacks him. Yeah. There's something like I took that to mean, you know, he can dish it out, but he can't take it. Like he, he thinks that he's on top of the world and then he suddenly realizes how he just doesn't, he, he shouldn't be taken seriously how ridiculous his role is in this business um but maybe that's just me reading into it a little bit like reading a little final fantasy 4 into final fantasy 6 that's immediately what i thought of yeah the the great kind of self battle uh, mm-hmm. motif if that's the case it's quite subtle and that's really interesting because i think at least one thing that you see if you look at these games long enough is that they are also considering themselves right they they're mirroring yeah sufficiently um, and, and doing enough uh, sort of consciously, self-consciously to bring out certain qualities um, for the player to notice as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the case, right, the game is sort of making fun of itself a little bit yeah. at least. Uh, Even like, I, I think Final Fantasy as a series overall has done a lot of, you know, not the sort of fourth wall breaking that you see in a lot of, a lot of other series and games, but more of just like a self-reflection and meditation. Yeah. Like at the same time as it, as it doesn't stray too far from the formula that it has established, um, each successive game sort of investigates its own questions a little bit more deeply, I think. Like questions its own place in the canon. Um, questions what a Final Fantasy game can and should be. Um, and I think six... Six is where it's especially noticeable um, because it does violate so many of the conventions that came before. And it does sort of, it stays true to the, you know, to the weird tonal shifts of past Final Fantasy games. It stays true to the, you know, basic formula of going to get the crystals, collect all the things, become powerful and beat the bad guy. But at the same time, like it very much undermines that at a number of places um like i mean ever since final fantasy one and again in final fantasy five and all over the place there's there's this sort of like you find the four elemental crystals and you save the world um 
in six, the elemental crystals don't want to be saved. Yeah. Like the espers are, they have their own identity and they have their own agenda. And the whole, the whole plot, the whole theme here is people using these weapons, these sentient beings without any regard for what they actually mean and are like, did I, did I catch something where they say that they, um, so you, you fall down this like trap door uh, mm-hmm. and, and you talk to them. They say that they like lose control when they come into the human world. Yeah. Um, that, that's interesting because now they're, it seems to have passed and they're able to speak now that they're sort of bathed in magic and, you know, they've recovered some sort of group um, of them have gathered together to, to where they're, they're kind of stabilized. But um, that, that, that strikes me as really interesting, right? That they, um, they always have this sort of the same amount of power, it seems like, but they mm-hmm. are too gentle to use it almost when the empire comes into their territory and only when they like break into the world, the everyday world of, of, you know, the game that we know, um, then they sort of are unleashed and their power is, um, is destructive and uh, uh, is again, like you're unable to sort of even talk to them uh, mm-hmm. until this point when they, when they all come together there. Uh, I think it's also poignant though, that it means that the whole attack was a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Like everybody leaps to the conclusion that the espers are hostile, that someone has to take them down. Like the empire is almost justified when it, you know, tries to track them down and hunt them down because they are literally doing all this damage. There are all these civilians that are killed. Um, Like it's a big deal. Uh, When you are parleying with the empire, as much as you know that they're going to stab you in the back, there is a common threat here. Like you do have reason to agree. I mean, Leo himself kind of represents that position. He, yeah. He's yeah. more reasonable than either Gestalt or Kefka. And the fact that you travel with him for this, for this little adventure is an indication that, you know, the Empire, at least for now, has a leg to stand on. But then you find out, no, they don't, because the Espers didn't even have control of themselves at that point. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, yeah. So they, so you briefly... Um, get back together with your uh, your partner, Celis and Leo, who have been exploring, I guess, somewhere in those mountains too, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, they, they come back to town um, and everyone gathers there. Uh, we have a, a wonderful kind of um, peace treaty, right? Where the, the explanations are given, um, mm-hmm. apologies are accepted, uh, mostly, right? Celis is yep. still apparently annoyed i don't know not, not yeah really there's that again weird tonal moment where like she and Locke, like Locke is coming to her asking for forgiveness and she's just silent and yeah. i think i think it's one of the other characters or one of the espers or something is like oh go on and forgive him already and she just like blushes yeah. um like everybody knows that this romance is is happening it's just you know Celis Celis is feeling standoffish at this point um and it's hard to see why at this point, like again, because we haven't spent much time with Celis in all this time, she just sort of shows up after her initial disappearance, and we don't get a whole lot of explanation of what she's been doing in the meantime. She's not a part of the party. You never fight with her during this period. Yeah. She is still an outsider. I wonder if it's that everyone is watching. It's like too big of a moment. She doesn't want to be the center of attention. I don't know. It could that be. Might not be justified, but um, anyway, I mean, the tension yeah. is broken immediately, right? Realm. Mm-hmm makes a joke, Strago 
laughs, everyone laughs. Uh, it's a it's a weird scene. Okay, yeah, like, but what we're accustomed to, I think, with this this kind yep. of yeah um sort of clumsy efforts to break the tension yeah well yeah and and then of course uh we get the kefka the kefka destruction of the town right like yeah and again those like wild tonal shifts like everybody's engaged in that laughing and i think it's a really neat detail that they have like all of the characters are laughing together and then you hear the kefka laugh and you're like yeah oh, oh nice crap. yeah um like, because it's such a distinctive sound, and at this point, you know that's that is the way you know he is there. Like that is the most distinctive character introduction, the most distinctive character sound effect in the entire game. I suspect is that really creepy laugh. So yeah, so Patrick Holloman, this uh, author, um, makes the argument that Kefka is in a way the main character of the game, which I kind mm -hmm. of like because you know, there's such a large cast of characters who come and go from your party. It's hard to say, you know, one or the other is sort of the protagonist. Um, but Kefka uh, is like a major, a major part of, of all of the driving, all of the action in the game, really. Mm -hmm. um, and he really stands head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of power, certainly here. Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting too, like I remember a couple of years ago when uh, that Avengers movie, Infinity War came out Yeah. Um, and everybody was talking about how Thanos is kind of the protagonist of that movie, like the way that it's structured, he is the primary agent, he puts things in motion. Um, the same is true for Kefka, so much of this game, like you are usually, very rarely are you not reacting to what he has done. Mm -hmm. um, he is the driving force. It's his atrocities that put the plot into motion. Um, and as much as this game is sort of like tracking his quest for power, um, like he's the one who gets the revelations. He's the one who, who puts two and two together. Like the espers just tell you things and you just sort of follow their guidance and use the, the tools that they have together. But, you know, Kefka is the one who ultimately benefits at the end of the day. Like Kefka is the one who learns when you, you know, break into the Magitech research facility. Aha! Really the greatest power that you can get from the espers is through Magisite when they die. Um, when you know you've even when you've got him like locked up there's this sense that he is just biding his time he is waiting for his moment he's he's upset he's like he's what's the word jilted like yeah. offended at what has happened <laughs> he is the protagonist he knows he is the protagonist this is just a tiny setback yeah and you know just be like, you know that they're going to double-cross you. Like, you walk into that meeting and you know it's going to happen. Once again, Kafka is still in charge, even from a jail cell. And this, yeah, the game, I think, really pushes this in your face here by, by giving you the, the control of Leo briefly. Your entire yeah. party is, is taken out by Kafka's uh, ambush here. Leo recovers, and you can move around in town. You can't do anything with his like armor or equipment or anything so he's he's clearly not you know you really don't have him in your party but there's this kind of staged battle here where you take on kefka um mm -hmm. and he's a beast you know like uh he's got the shock attack that just like does a lot of damage mm -hmm. um 
and he's got and you like, attack with him he attacks four times yeah the quadra strike like what is that that's out of final fantasy 7 right there the quadra strike okay yep. but um but presumably you know it's some item that he's got on i don't know i want to i want to get that item later right um, he's pretty cool he's he's a very distinctive looking character as well mm-hmm. uh he's like got this kind of um soldierly uh grim sort of square jaw and a, a really cool guile looking uh, mohawk going on yeah uh, <laughs> and so I, I mean we're like everything tells us like leo is a good guy we we've talked to him a little bit now we saw him way back at the beginning um mm-hmm. juxtaposed uh, his honor against kefka's nefarious you know mischief and and worse um back in doma right and so mm-hmm. you 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 beat up on kefka and then he he tricks you which is is so it's it's so transparent right like he disappears and summons gestal quote unquote who um who turns out to just be kefka in disguise and any any stabs or or just like jumps on leo and there's a there's this awful sound effect and he's dead he's just dead like what <laughs> yeah i was really struck by by that whole interaction because you know it first off it's the first time you've gotten the chance to control leo like yeah. this is the closest he will get to being a part of your party um but also you know that moment when kefka disappears and you're like did i beat him did i do it and then gestal appears and starts questioning leo like nope this is the new course of action you're still loyal to me right leo and there's this this hesitation like i there there has to be this moment where leo is questioning everything like up until this point his his loyalty and his duty have always been aligned um and when the emperor like makes peace with the returners it just confirms to leo yes i'm on the right side Hmm. i fight for justice and order and in this world and then you know kefka is absolutely the antithesis of that um like leo and kefka are oil and water throughout the entire game leo represents everything that could be good about the empire everything that the empire could be and kefka represents everything that it is like the the baseness that is at the heart of it and then when gestal says no kefka's in charge there's that moment of like serious crisis for leo am i on the the right side um is my duty to the innocent um something i can square with my duty to my to my country to my nation to my empire um and kefka of course is just doing it to distract him so he can take him down um it's just a trick like arguably it always was gestal never intended to follow leo's vision for the empire he was always using kafka he was always following kafka yeah and i think that's confirmed in what we see thereafter where by the end of this sort of chapter um they are together up in front of the i guess actual statues um yeah and and they seem to be uh in line with 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 their original plan for world domination only you know amped up now because yeah we see kefka basically just uh pull into himself all of the all of the remaining espers um Mm. because they they bust out from the sealed gate 
Um, I don't know if that's his doing or their doing or what, um, but the, the gate that was so, so decisively covered up with little stones uh, pops open now <laughs> and, and more, um, you know, sort of like copies of espers that we've seen before fly out. He absorbs them all. Um, yeah. And Every that's the last one of them. <laughs> that's a pretty impressive, you know, it's no shock, you know, but it's, it's something it's like his, his ability now is, is to um, turn espers into magicite just like mm -hmm. that pretty much. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to imagine that like some of that is, some of that is happening off screen. Like Kefka has always been powerful. Um, I mean, you fight him the one time you do in fact beat him the one time, but most of the time, you know, he's, he's always too slippery or he's always just a little bit ahead of you. Um, but then, you know, after the Magitech research facility and he figures out like, ah, Magisite, that's the key. Um, you kind of get the sense that even when he's in the, the jail cell, he's like, all right, how do I, how do I take out espers quickly and effectively and efficiently? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, at the same time as he's killing these espers, every successive one that he takes down just makes him that much stronger, makes him that much more unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and you can even see in this scene as he's ramping up, like he starts by just taking one of them down and the others are like creeping away. Like they're trying to get out of the situation. And there's a part of me that's like, no, this is, this is the time. This is it. Last chance. Fight back. Yeah, it's, it's now or never. It's the end of uh, that, that Avengers movie all over again, right? Yeah. You got it. You got to do it now. Um, yep. So Same for the head. <laughs> so he can, he can clearly turn espers into crystals. Um, mm -hmm. I guess what we're going to find out is whether he can unpetrify the goddesses themselves. That seems to be his new, um, his new plan, right? Is to release the power yeah. that's sealed there. Uh, before that, of course, we see the actual like continent of the espers lift off and mm -hmm. fly up into the air. Uh, not entirely sure what that's about. Um, can't be good, right? Nope. <laughs> no, no possible good outcome from this. Seems like the message there is like, do not come any closer, right? But uh, yeah. it's too late. Um, he's already there. Uh, so the way that that's portrayed is pretty excellent. Also, it's like townspeople are like trying to hang on to their chunk of land as it flies up into the air and, and they fall off mm -hmm. into some kind of abyss. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> uh, the uh, the rest of your party also makes an appearance here, so we get to say goodbye to Leo, um, and there's a there's a, a surprising amount of uh, Christian iconography there. I thought actually, yeah. the cross on the tombstone. Yeah. Um, well, isn't it his sword? Like in his sword, yeah, his sword is actually in the the barrow the, that they yeah. raised, and then there's a there's a tombstone in front of a gravestone in front of it, mm -hmm. um, with a, a you know a pretty square looking cross, but it's it's unmistakable, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, we we find out that Shadow might be in trouble, right? His dog comes back and is wounded. Yeah, I, I think the implication here, because you'll remember, like way back when we were heading into the the not so secret uh, town of the Mage Warriors, um, <laughs> and broke off from Leo and Sella's like the theory was that they were going to go find track down the espers themselves. They were either hiding in this town because there's a lot of magic activity there or there's this cave 
and Leo and Sellers are apparently checking out the cave. And even when you, when shadow parts ways with you, the theory is he's going to find the espers in his own way. Yes. Um, he's going to do it himself. So for, for Kefka and the empire to bust in and start wrecking the place probably means that shadow is just a casualty, like got yeah. caught in the crossfire. Um, so in theory, Shadow is dead and Interceptor's wounds are sort of our guarantee that we're not going to see him again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's an interesting parallel then too, um, that Shadow forms a kind of triad then with uh, Kefka and Leo in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, I, again, we don't. I guess we don't know much about Shadow still to to be able to do much with that yet. But um, that he should also be uh, taken out of commission here. Um, I guess what I'm thinking about, you know, in terms of the the question about these characters and how to how to make sense of the game um, as a story if it focuses on anything in particular, it it certainly seems to be like inviting comparisons between the different characters um Mm -hmm. and even by their absence right they have an important effect on you um so i think that you know celis coming back and rejoining your party at this point and now shadow being lost or possibly gone forever um we also see this with the rest of your party coming back and um you know you're sort of back at full strength at Mm -hmm. at this point because they've They've repaired the airship, and they have um, they've reunited here. So, uh, yeah, we I think we can see like that the the theme of loss and um, uh, well at least uncertainty about people's loyalties or you know their purposes their 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 histories um, seems to go hand in hand with this uh, this large cast of characters that the game mm-hmm. uh, throws at us. Um, I don't know, like, again, I don't know how entirely, um, successful that is in some cases. Um, but, uh, but after all, I guess we've got a few more characters to meet here still. So. A few, but most of the, most of the plot relevant ones we've got, I think yeah. at this point, like the rest are sort of secret and secondary. Um, but I think, I think it is like, I, I, I remember talking very early on in our discussion about sort of the, the thematic emphasis on teamwork here where like every single character has their own ability and that ability is unique and it's something that only they can do. And while magic has become democratized, like the entire party (laughs) and use magic um, at the same time, like, Leo's power would have been welcome in the party. He can do stuff that no one else can. I mean, like just his his pure damage potential at this point, like, is way above what most of the other characters can pull off. Yeah. Um, and it, as we noticed, he has his own unique ability. He can shock, um, and that's something none of the characters could do. Um, but now he's gone. Now he's lost. Um, and so is the case with Shadow throwing all of his shurikens or with Bannon and his his crazy curative abilities. Um, like each of these characters had something unique to contribute to this effort. Um, and what I find perhaps most telling is while each of 
your party members can equip only one Esper at a time, it's certainly hinted that Kefka is just like amassing all of the powers. Right. Yeah. He is he is taking it all to himself. Um so and you know, Kefka is also stripping himself of his allies as we're going on. Yeah. Um like as people become useless to him, he gets rid of them. Um, you know, the the Espers themselves, we saw like in the Magitech research facility, he's like, Well, I've drained Shiva and Ifrit, time to dump them down the garbage chute. Um, <laughs> we don't need them anymore. Leo was useful for a long time. He gave credibility to Kefka's projects, but now he's turned against him and Kefka disposes of him. Um, and you kind of have to wonder how long is Gestal going to be, you know, yeah. useful to Kefka. Because at the end of the day, you can't imagine that Kefka's going to play loyal to Gestal. Um, yeah. He's just a pawn too. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's this very clear inversion that as your party grows stronger with more and more allies joining the cause, Kefka grows stronger by stripping himself of allies, by eliminating competition, by making the world more unified in his person. Um, yeah, yeah. The, so the uh, yeah the way the way that he balances out sort of against your entire party is is quite interesting there. Um, and I think too, like when we hear about when we hear about the goddesses, the the detail that we get is that the, each of the three sort of like frozen, paralyzed statue goddesses is positioned in such a way that it cancels out the power of the other two. Yeah. Um, and we're warned by the espers, they can't be moved. If you unbalance it, the world will change. Right. Um, and yet, Kefka is going to like steal the statues or use the power because they're apparently the whole source of magic in the world altogether. Or you know, he's going to change the world is what this comes down to. Yeah. Um, he will remake it in his own image, so to speak. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think that that's, again, one of these themes that we're used to with the Final Fantasy games, some some dramatic change taking place in the world. Um, it also sets up, for me at least, the the possibility that Kefka might not be the final boss that will, will fight these uh, goddesses or something like them um, mm. by the end of the game. So... Yeah, there, there have been plenty of dodges in Final Fantasy games prior where yeah. it's like, here is your bad guy, but then it's not. Like, instead yeah. it's chaos or sin or, you know, right. some other obscure, like, abstract manifestation of evil. Um, <laughs> right. And so, I don't know. Or it could just be Ultras. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> if only. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, so... We've got some time now to explore the airship uh, a little bit more um, before whatever it is happens to the world uh, when Kefka gets his hand on the statues. Yes. Um, then uh, we'll, we'll have to clean up his mess, right? And uh, that, that should keep us busy for a little while here. Um, yep. Any other thoughts from this here? Well, we didn't even talk about the, the, to the, the tabby suit and the chocobo suit that you can find and dress up in um, up in the mountains, uh, but any, I must any other missed stuff. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, th I think that pretty well covers it. Um, like next time, we'll probably hit the floating continent, maybe do a couple of side quests. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. 
Well, cool. Um, thanks again. Take it easy. You too, sir. Yep.